1: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I have the distinct pleasure of sitting across from one of my board members and faculty of the Talent Magnet Institute. More importantly, today, we're going to be dialoguing about his president and CEO role of Cincinnati Cares, Doug Bolton. And Doug is also on the board of the Dan Beard Council, the University of Cincinnati's Economic Center, and recently termed out at the Metropolitan Club. Doug, thank you for your leadership there. And
2: thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here, Mike. I just have to say as a longtime listener of the uh, Talent Magnet Institute podcast, I just adore what you're doing here. You know that I'm a content guy at heart. And the rich content that you are adding to our community is just powerful. So thank you for doing this and very pleased to actually be recording one. That's excellent, Doug.
1: Yeah, at the time of our recording, I never thought we'd be at 12,000 listeners and what a journey it has been. Also, just experiencing the people in the community that come up to us and share That, you know, I listened to a recent podcast and it really made me change the way I'm thinking or I'm doing something different with my team or I'm getting involved in different ways. And that's the call to action that we hope to reframe success in
2: leadership. You know, digital business is transforming everything we do. And so I think you're seeing that you're experiencing that the growth. You know, again, the richness of the content that you're creating and, you know, the Internet is a disruptor in many ways, but it's also a positive impact on people's lives. And you're an example of that. Mm, Excellent. Well, Doug,
1: today, and I appreciate that very much, humbled by it. Today, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the power of volunteerism. I think as many in this community, the hundreds of thousands of people who know you, know you as a leader who leads in volunteerism and is involved in so much, which has ultimately led to an incredible role here at Cincinnati Cares and all that you all are doing. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about why you have been so committed to volunteering while you held CEO roles and executive director roles and managing partner roles?
2: You know, I think I have to give so many credits to the Boy Scouts of America, you know, and I'm an Eagle Scout, and learned so much in scouting. I had incredible parents, but they both worked to make ends meet, and so it really was scouting and the scout leaders that had such an impact on my youth and upbringing, and so. That planted the seed of service, all the merit badges that you earn, all the experiences, all the leadership that you are able to accumulate in the scouting movement. You know, just plants the seed of service to others. And so, you know, when I went away, went to journalism school and started focusing on my career, I was really head down. And as well as a journalist, I said, Oh, I can't get involved. I have to be objective. I can't show impartiality whatsoever to anything that's really important to me. And so for a long, long time, I didn't do anything. And so a part of, you know, once you become a publisher and are able to kind of walk a little bit of away from the editorial objectivity that you have to have, that's when I just got so active in this community and as well from the platform in journalism, you see so many things that need help Mm. in our community. And so that really fired me up on so many levels to really never say no when someone called, when someone asked you to do something. And so I probably overcommitted in so many ways, but big believer in how that can have an impact on your community. And then it improves yourself. I mean, I probably learned twice as much In business, in leadership, from my volunteer experiences that I did in my professional experiences. So Mm -hmm. just all those things wrapped together makes me such a believer in volunteerism and service and the impact that it can have on a community. Mm -hmm.
1: As it relates to your feeling of the places that employed you being, enabling you to do that type of volunteers? I mean I realize in the community that the more you volunteer, the more great people you meet, the more great people you meet, the more great things happen. But was there also a feeling as it relates to the positivity and the appreciation to the, your employer is that
2: they enabled that? Oh, clearly. I mean, role model in this business, Ray Shaw, the founder of American City Business Journal's you know, the chain that owns the Business Courier and 39 other business journals across the country. He was an example of that. And he instilled in all of his publishers that we benefit as a business journal from the vibrancy of the business community. And so, we owe it back to this community Mm -hmm. to give back. And so, he was a big supporter of publishers being very involved in the community and then you know my next employer Cassidy Turley which then became DTZ which then became Cushman and Wakefield the legacy John Frank was the founder of the organization that became what Cushman and Wakefield is today John Frank was just honored by the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber as a great living Cincinnatian and he is the epitome of service and volunteers a hands-on service in this community and so that started the legacy of the organization that I helped lead for 7 years and that continued even through big corporate changes you know selling ourselves to private equity and then and then eventually going public that remains today part of Cushman and Wakefield's ethos of giving back to a community that provides so much to It as an organization, you know, this community creates the margin that makes Cushman and Wakefield work. And so, there's a responsibility to give back. And so, Mm -hmm. I have benefited immensely from working for two organizations that absolutely got it. Mm -hmm. And so many do, but so many more could. And that would make our community better. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, as you look at this, Doug, and I know I was sitting in an event at a Tocqueville lunch probably 4 years ago with Steve Schiffman who we interviewed on episode 17 on conscious capitalism and he was sharing about his call to action for all CEOs and leaders in the room to get your team involved it makes them a better human being it also makes them a stronger employee for you by allowing them to be outside of your workplace and getting in involved in things they're passionate about, but maybe functions that they know a little less about. Right. So you may have someone who's in finance in your organization that's involved in a membership committee for a nonprofit or someone who's involved in sales who gets involved in a finance and strategic planning committee. And they bring those experiences back to work while ultimately creating a better environment for them and those they're serving. We talk a lot about at the Talent Magnet Institute, the impact of feeling meaningful Feeling that you're contributing to something bigger than yourself and the impact that that has on retention, on employee development, and quite honestly, on attraction and recruitment because organizations who allow their talent to be involved in the outside world
2: are a place people want to be, right? It is. And, you know, Mike Michaelman's a phenomenal example and the Schiffman's, you know, just evangelists in this community when it comes to demonstrating giving back and allowing your employees to have an impact in other organizations, you know, just To Steve's point, I mean, the experiences that I had outside of my workplace were so formative in helping me become a better leader and a better manager. Mm -hmm. And so all of those training experiences, my employers probably could not have afforded the ability to do that for me, you know, individually, but through the volunteer experience, you do that. And there's so many opportunities for companies to get engaged. You know, part of the evolution of my organization is that so many times companies don't know where to turn. Sure, the shiftmans very well connected. They know exactly where to turn in this community, but so many business leaders don't. Mm -hmm. And so that's a little bit of the reason for the emergence of my organization. But you look small, large, you know, local, national, there are so many examples that really do produce bottom line results for a business when they allow their employees to not only do their job well and manage them well, become a talent magnet, but then also allow their employees to be outwardly focused and help the company connect, you know, passions in the community and mission with their business purpose. And that's when, you know, employees can't wait to get to work because they want to get their job done and they want to do it well. But then they have so much of a bigger passion and purpose in life to help other organizations and other parts of our community that need their help the most. Mm.
1: Doug, for those listening who have known you for many years and decades, in fact, with your role at The Courier, transitioned from The Courier, went to Cushman and Wakefield as a partner help that organization go through growth and multiple acquisitions we say one thing's for sure sign companies and marketing companies made a lot of money with three back-to-back transitions and branding mm-hmm. and then you were on a journey to find your next opportunity Can you share a little bit about that, maybe even for our listeners who are curious of the journey that you've been on?
2: Sure. So it was actually just kind of harken back to the first transition. You know, the summer of 2010, I was celebrating the 10th year as publisher of the Business Courier and was getting up in the morning with a feeling that I had never had before, which was, I know I could do this job as publisher for another 10 years, but I'm not sure I want to. And it scared me to death because- I went to journalism school. I'd known from the time that I was an eighth grader that I wanted to do journalism. So I never had thought about doing anything else in my Mm -hmm. life except for be a reporter. And so that feeling scared me because I didn't know about doing anything else. And so, you know, started to pray about it, started to think hard about, okay, what do I want to do? There were a lot of things in the community. I thought, oh, I could do that. Oh, I could do that. And then, you know, a couple months later, a longtime source of mine from who was a broker at Cassidy Turley called and said, Doug, we're having a transitions in our leadership. We think you'd be great at this. You know, the city, you know how to manage a P&L, you know how to manage people, you know how to manage community engagement. That's what we need you to do for us. Will you make the transition? And. I looked around at some other things. Though The company, American City, took great care of their publishers. The one thing they never would do would be share equity with us. And there was an opportunity for me to be able to become a partner. So that was transition number one. Transition number two was when the CEO had recruited me ultimately to join Cassidy Turley. He said, Doug, we're going to become the best second biggest in the world. We'll never surpass CBRE, the largest commercial real estate services provider in the world, but we'll come a close second and in this industry you just need to be one, two or three and you'll do great. We need someone just like you doing all those things. It'll take us 10 years to be the second biggest and this will be a great run for you. You know, you might be able to even finish your career here. So I was 47 when I made the transition, you know, thought 10 years sounds great. I'll be 57. Then I can just kind of do some fun things in the community. Well, all of what the CEO promised happened, except it happened in five years instead Mm -hmm. of 10. You know, the world is moving quite Mm -hmm. fast these days. So that brought me to the summer of, you know, 2017, when I was beginning to think, you know what? I've done this. I've done a lot of the things that I was recruited here to do, grow the office, recruit different pieces of the business lines that weren't here, put together teams, done a lot of things. And so do I begin to think about a transition? Our company was beginning to prepare to go public. So lots of change at the top. And so I thought, you know what, this is a perfect time for me to make a transition. A couple of good friends of mine said to me, hey, Doug, we will not hire Cushman because we won't get you to do the work. But if you would ever think about leaving Cushman, we'd love to have you do some work with us and for us. So that gave me the confidence to leave Cushman at the end of 2017. And I also knew that there were some other things in the community that I wanted to do. And at that point in time in my career, I was 55 and beginning to think about, okay, what's the commonality between my 25 years in the media business and then my seven years running commercial real estate, it is that volunteer service. So, Board chair of a number of organizations from the Danbury Council to the Metropolitan Club to the Economic Center to the Visiting Nurse Association, the Better Business Bureau. And so, as a result of those positions, had a very unique perspective, I believe, on the nonprofit community and the intersection with the business community. So, Looked at a couple of opportunities, you know, United Way CEO, Rob Reifsnyder and I, good friends. I knew that he was going to be retiring. That clearly was one position that I was interested in and thought it would be a phenomenal way to marry my business experience along with my passion and interest in this community. And so the confidence of those folks who wanted to hire me for some short-term projects gave me the ability to leave Cushman at the end of 17 and then begin to really prepare for candidacy for United Way CEO job and went for it. Unfortunately, I failed. I did not get that job, but along the way, intersected with a number of opportunities that I looked at, things that I was interested in doing. But one in particular came at me fairly quickly after I left Cushman and Wakefield, and that was the opportunity that Craig Young was working on. And Craig and I have known each other from our time at the Dan Beard Council Board, known Craig for about 15 years. So real quickly, Craig, tech entrepreneur, sold a couple of companies in the late 1990s, did better than he ever imagined that he would ever do. So he created a family foundation was able to essentially, for the next 15 years, work with his young family in doing a lot of hands-on volunteering. And as a result of his family's wealth, was able to also do some significant philanthropy in this community was then invited to join a number of boards, the Children's Hospital, the zoo, already on the Dan Beard Council, American Red Cross, and then a number of, as well, national positions that gave him a deep look into philanthropy, as well as volunteerism, not only locally, but across the country. And some of your listeners may be familiar with One of his projects during that time was the creation of what is now the largest network that connects high school and college students to. Be able to share their volunteer service. it was known as you give at one time, then became my actions it 's now part of the Muhammad Ali Center and then has a spin off that essentially again is in twenty two states allows high school and college kids to essentially be inspired and share their inspiration around volunteer service as that project kind of came to a maturity that Craig said, you know what, I love what that is, but that doesn't get to the core of what volunteerism needs are in our communities. And that caused Craig to kind of come back and look at Cincinnati in particular. Craig started having conversations with United Way and the Greater Cincinnati Foundation. And, and essentially, do you all know how our volunteerism market is doing, the volunteer ecosystem in this community? And started doing a significant amount of study. And that's where I kind of began to intersect with Craig about the time that the numbers were beginning to materialize. And that is that volunteerism in this community is not healthy. Our rates of volunteerism have declined significantly since 2011 and are actually declining at twice the national rate. That evidence and a number of other studies of looking at cities where volunteerism is actually increasing – caused Craig to think, you know what, there needs to be something done. And he began to work on that. And that is what birthed CincinnatiCares.org, which is now the most popular way for Cincinnatians to find their way to help. As the United Way opportunity for me didn't materialize, Craig said to me, Doug, this is going to be as impactful as what that opportunity is. Doug, I don't want to get in your way of getting that job, but if that doesn't work out, come join me, help me build this organization. Let's figure out a pathway forward to really make our volunteer ecosystem in this community healthy again. And so that's what I started doing at the beginning or the middle of 2018, and I'm now continuing doing it on a full-time basis. Mm-hmm. And one of the
1: exciting parts of you also joining the Talent Magnet Institute faculty, is the intersection of volunteerism to building healthy workplaces where team members feel focused, feel valued, feel engaged, feel a part of something, and then the impact that has on corporate culture and ultimately also organizational performance. The more people are engaged and feel vibrant to come to work, and that they're doing something they can see greater impact. And that might be whether they're you enable them to get off a little early, one day a month to go serve, or you're supporting financially, or you're encouraging and bringing teams together, teams that serve together, we say stay together. And so really hitting on the impact of volunteerism and kind of Being able to intersect content and leadership that you all are doing into the content that we're putting out of the importance of engaging in the communities that you're around, which is also many for those listening, many of our podcast episodes hit on a variety of content topics about this, whether we're talking about cultural transformation, courageous leadership, getting engaged in early childhood education. Really important work that communities are doing as it relates to diversity and inclusion. A lot of this are leaders stepping out. And many of the people that we've even met through the podcast journey, originally, we met them by serving in the community and being on boards and being really blown away by the leaders that are leaning into their work and that are considered by most high performing. And they would say, I do that because I love what I do. Right. That's where the high performance comes from is that engagement around what they do. Doug, you mentioned earlier around the census data. Could you share anything specifically around census data? When I hear volunteerism is failing in this community and it's probably, you know, I'm wondering if that's worldwide or people just know less about how to get involved because there's so many things to get. What did the data
2: reveal? So nationally, volunteerism rates have been on the decline, as I said, since 2011, and dip below 25 percent, so less than one out of every four adults in America Mm -hmm. is volunteering these days. Um, You know, probably lots of things happening that causes that, whether it's, you know, the geopolitical issues, loss of hopefulness. So lots of things that probably impact that. But one of the things that we believe core to our philosophy is that the way that volunteers find opportunities to help has been broken. And so technology, hence Craig's background in technology, cannot fix everything, but it can do a lot to help solve uh, part of this problem. So as I said, you know, nationally declining below 25% for the first time. Cincinnati's volunteerism rates just a slightly above the national rate at 25.8%, but declining at twice the national rate. And when you look at our peer cities in Ohio and surrounding states, Columbus also has experienced a decline, but Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh have all experienced increases. And so when you look at those cities, our peer cities, where volunteerism has actually increased over that period of time, you look at those cities and you ask the question, and we did, why? What's going on in those communities? And so a couple of factors... One factor is that in those communities where volunteerism is increasing, there is a single organization that is 100% focused on the volunteer. So it gets up every morning, the team goes to bed every night thinking about what am I going to do to help volunteerism in my community. In Cincinnati, we have no such organization. A lot of that work has defaulted to United Way. But as Rob and new leadership now at United Way is is Ross Myers moving the organization to be more focused. First, it was on health, education, and income. Now it's on poverty. The investment in the general volunteer space has diminished. And so, That is perhaps part of the problem that we see in our community is that disinvestment. That's a good stepping point to overall investment. When you look at Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Indianapolis, you see foundations in those communities investing in the volunteer ecosystem to the tune of a million and a million and a half and $2 million. So you have the Greater Cleveland Foundation and the Eli Lilly Foundation in Indianapolis, they are making investments in supporting volunteerism and the tools that volunteers need and the tools that nonprofits need in this community to help make volunteers effective. And those kinds of investments are not being made here in Cincinnati. We've been fortunate that Greater Cincinnati Foundation has been a big supporter of Craig and Cincinnati Cares and very fortunate for that. But there are so many needs in our community mm-hmm. that GCF and Hale and all the other big foundations, Farm Family Foundation, they're all torn because they have so many other needs in our community. And it would be very, very difficult for them to essentially say, "Okay, we're going to put some of these very immediate service delivery needs on hold in order to invest in the volunteer ecosystem and try to match what's been going on in those peer cities in some instances for decades. So those Mm -hmm. are kind of the two big factors. You know, we have some strengths in this community around volunteer ecosystem. Our bold training, I'm a product of the United Way volunteer leadership. So, it's essentially a board leadership training program. And then our community service learning, which is, again, focused on high school. And that has been traditionally led by the Mayerson Foundation. Huge strengths in our community. Hmm. But other pieces, there's weaknesses. And one of those big weaknesses is that technology. And so, That's what Craig used his experience and background to really begin working hard on in 2017, was building a technology platform that would make it easy for volunteers to find their way to help. So when I say easy, what does that mean? It means frictionless. It means mobile-friendly. It means beautiful. It means essentially making the experience for the user unlike anything they've ever experienced before. And just a, you know, quick example of what those experiences used to be under the old platforms that exist out there. They were built really using technology that Match.com, you know, surfaced in the 80s to try to help essentially adults find partners. And so that's the technology that was used by volunteers and nonprofits, and it was episodic. So nonprofit would post something saying, I need 10 volunteers on Tuesday at three o'clock and would essentially hope that the volunteers would come. Some volunteers did, but usually not enough. The volunteers would look at those opportunities that were posted and say, you know what, I'm really not interested in doing that, but I'd really like to do something else. But they could not find those opportunities online. The nonprofits would get frustrated because they wouldn't be able to find the volunteers. And then the volunteers would get frustrated because they couldn't find the experiences that they wanted to essentially be put to work for. And so that technology just has not worked and doesn't work today. And so that's what CincinnatiCares.org was built to do, was to essentially make that experience completely different today and going forward. And as I said earlier, we are now surpassing all other platforms in this region that have existed for years in terms of connecting hundreds of volunteers to the opportunities. A key part of that philosophy is, again, the episodic nature of it. We don't just call for volunteers for Tuesday at three o'clock. We allow nonprofits at no cost to put their ways that they need volunteers on our site so that it's evergreen. You find opportunities at all times and can make your way, it's comprehensive. It's the Yelp model. It's, again, borrowing from the digital disruption that's going on in our environment, everything can be bought or found on the internet. And so volunteer experiences should be able to be too. But what happens is when someone goes on the old existing sites and they knew of an organization that they wanted to help, they couldn't find that online. And so what is very important to our platform is that if you know of an organization, you better believe it's there, but you also are going to find information on the 50 other organizations that you know about. So you may know about SCPA and what they do for animals in our community, but did you know there's 75 other organizations in our community that focus on essentially helping animals either find a new home or essentially making their lives better. And so we empower, you know, the small organizations as well as the large organizations in a way that hasn't been done before. And so it's that connecting that is number one we're hoping is going to be able to fuel the ability for us to reverse those trends that we're seeing in volunteerism by essentially making it possible for volunteers to find what it is that they want to do. That's great.
1: As it relates to, so if a nonprofit leader is listening, I'm sure they're, hopefully they're already on the platform. And then is the model scalable for the others throughout the world that listen to our podcast is this scalable or is your intent to take this same model into Cincinnati?
2: It is. It Cincinnati is scalable, and yes. other. Yeah, it is scalable. So the partnership that Craig and I have that is pretty powerful is that by my focusing on Cincinnati and standing up an organization that's going to be 100 percent focused on the volunteer and partner with United Way and GCF and other organizations to really improve our volunteer ecosystem. This allows Craig to focus on the technology as well as his relationships across the country. And so Inspiring Service is the name of the organization that Craig actually started back in early 2017, a nonprofit to inspire and engage and empower individuals to do volunteerism that it benefits themselves and their communities. His work at that level with Inspiring Service will continue across the country. So we're already doing this in Nevada. We're doing this building a similar kind of platform in Boston with community leaders there and looking to work with other community leaders from coast to coast in building this model in their communities. Now, we won't start an organization like Cincinnati Cares in those communities because in many cases across the country, there's 70 organizations plus that are 100% focused on volunteerism that are not United Ways. And so this model already exists in other communities and is already helping companies in those communities engage their workforces in meaningful volunteerism, you know, again, that benefits the companies, it benefits the employees, and then it benefits the community. So these organizations already exist, but what doesn't exist is the technology that we will license to these communities to essentially help them fix those declining volunteerism rates all across the country. Hmm. That's excellent. And if there's an organization or an individual
1: who's inspired in their community to do something about this, what's the best way for them to reach
2: out? So Inspiring Service, inspiringservice.org is the website. They can contact us through that if they are outside of Cincinnati. Cincinnaticares.org is the site in Cincinnati. In in Cincinnati, we've also built a companion web, website called in.cincinnaticares.org, and that's geared towards businesses, individuals, and nonprofits who want to engage with us at a deeper level to essentially improve themselves at community engagement. So as I mentioned, we offer businesses services to essentially be able to improve themselves. We offer individuals' opportunities. So in partnership with United Way, we've just taken on a very important need in our community, which is creating a technology, taking an existing technology called BoardBank and improving on it. And what BoardBank does is essentially connects nonprofits who need volunteer board members, and it connects them to prospective candidates on boards and we're rebuilding that and relaunching that in this community. So that's obviously a service to individuals to help them get more active in the boards of our community. And then for nonprofits, we've recently been certified as the only organization in the state of Ohio to train nonprofits on how to engage volunteers. So Part of the power of volunteerism is that you can do through volunteers what you are unable to do through paid staff because the resources are not available. Those organizations who engage volunteers at the highest level are able to produce returns on that volunteer investment. So the the minimal amount that you invest in essentially volunteer engagement will return you 300 to 600 percent for that nonprofit organization. So it only makes sense for nonprofits in this community to get better at engaging volunteers. We already have some great organizations in town, the zoo, the Cincinnati Museum Center, Habitat for Humanity, the Ronald McDonald House, who already engage volunteers very, very well. But their experiences need to be trained and taught throughout the 2,000 organizations in our community that engage volunteers on an everyday and a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Well,
1: it's no surprise as we look at volunteering. I know when we talk about corporate culture, the ROI of corporate culture in many cases is driven by our ability to let our team members become their best selves right? So, when you look at corporate culture, you get a tremendous return on investment. The higher, the better culture you have, the more engaged people feel. We would also, again, say that when you look at data around ROI of engagement, the more they volunteer. Show me an organization that allows their team members to volunteer and be involved, and we will show you an organization that has a higher engagement rate and people who feel more connected to their environment.
2: Yeah. right. It's a natural circle. It benefits the community. It benefits the business. It benefits the individual. It is a flywheel that once you get that going, a business and the community and the individuals all benefit to extraordinary levels. And again, it lifts all boats. It's a no-brainer.
1: There was a, a survey done by uh, John Cotter and James Haskett from Harvard Business School, and it showed that the Again, I'm drawing the correlation between volunteerism and corporate culture, mm-hmm. right? The stronger the corporate culture, you have an opportunity for 683% higher revenue growth in the study that they did of 11 years and 200 businesses across 22 industries. You had a 756% increase in profit. Over 1% with those organizations that rated as a bad culture. Workforce growth. So we talk about talent retention. We talk about workforce pipeline. Those organizations, those over 200 businesses that they studied had a 282% workforce growth, not a decline like most experience and you know looking into the details of that study and just knowing what we know of working with organizations all across the world show me an organization who enables their team to volunteer, to be involved, who brings opportunities to them and allows them to feel like they can be their best at work and away from work, which again, the volunteerism component is that, right? We'll show you an organization that has a better corporate culture, has a greater return on investment to the, if it's a, publicly traded company to the shareholder, if it's a privately held company to the owner's dollar, and the opportunity to even give back greater because of that return that you're receiving.
2: Yes. You know, Cincinnati's well known for our generosity. You know, we have have had one of the best United Ways in the country. We have the biggest fine arts fund consortium of fundraising that goes on in this community. There's a number of other metrics that would measure our community's generosity. We also see that in volunteerism, but there are chinks in our armor. And that's what we're hoping to do is to be able to spread that gospel through more companies for them to be able to do this. And again, it not only benefits the community, but it benefits those companies. You look at the list of, the national list of great places to work, And the companies that show up on the top also show up on the top of the companies that do corporate social responsibility the best. Mm -hmm. So those rankings of the great places to work, what does that do for those companies in terms of attraction? They are talent magnets. They are able to attract new workers. They're able to retain their workers. And in this labor market that we're in and are going to be in for the next 30 years, you cannot not do this in order to essentially position your company in in a way that differentiates you from others that just don't do this. Hmm. So Doug, many years ago, I had the
1: opportunity to be introduced to Craig Young. I believe it was by Ron Brown or Ray Allen. It was one of the two of them in our community. For those in Cincinnati, Ray at that time was leading the major giving of United Way and Ron had entered. And my desire was, I want to go meet people who are engaged philanthropists because the comment you just made about our communities, one of the most giving from a dollar standpoint, but who are the ones that are actually making impact besides just giving money, which is extremely important. Thank you for all those who give, please give more, but the connection of how do we really make impact? And that's when I was introduced to Craig Young and as a philanthropist who had a strategy and had a belief. And I was also asking the question around my network and I wanted my wife and I, Amber and I want to include our children. Mm -hmm. Do you know anyone who's included their children in their approach? And how do we create a family strategy, not just a personal strategy? And we talk a lot, you know, with the Talent Magnet Institute of helping leaders look at relationships, work, community, and life. And that's something that you know, I've been trying to live out personally as well. Again, this goes back probably a decade ago when I was introduced to Craig. And he was the one that came up. The name came up that, you know, you should meet Mr. Young if you haven't yet. And he was so gracious to give of his time. And I think was surprised that, you know, was going through the experience of, that someone was reaching out, asking about, like, I really want this to be my family strategy. And I know that has been so much. The other thing I learned from that conversation, which I'm bringing it around, is his intentionality of philanthropy. My guess is, I'm just going to ask the question, is this what showed up where there's, boy, why do we have so much dollars being given? but so little impact actually happening to those who need the most support. Did he see this disconnect between dollars given and people serving with their hands and their hearts, not just their dollars?
2: Disconnect as well as the same issues that are making our labor markets just shiver with fear. And that is the changes that our digital world have caused all of us, so it is so much easier for young people to know about things and know about passions from our neighborhoods to all across the world and so the learnings again that Craig just realized with his young family you know they were four, four, five, and seven, and he got them involved in kind of an old school method of hey, let's gather all kinds of brochures about all the causes and things that you all are interested in, that we are interested in as a family, and let's let the kids vote on those. And he gave the kids poker, you've probably heard this story, they gave the kids poker chips. And every uh, December, they would essentially let the kids help decide where their family foundation dollars were gonna go based on the kids' interests. Well, now, you know, you don't need to do that with just brochures. You could do that digitally and, and in so many ways. And kids today are no less interested than baby boomers like myself in being committed and giving in this world, but they just do it differently. They're more informed. They have a broader perspective. They have skepticism around big brands. And so their choices are just so much more deliberate. And so philanthropy is changing, is being challenged in so many ways by all of those issues. And so Craig has become this, quite frankly, national spotlight of enlightenment around how we can make philanthropy more impactful. And it is around essentially creating better volunteers who are more deliberate about their dollars, but then also very much given the pathway to be able to activate their time. I was just talking with someone earlier today and we have this 10,000 folks retiring every single day in this country. And the needs that we have in our community to be able to harness the power of those folks who are turning 65 to solve our world's problems is so deep and complex. The problem is Many of them don't know where to turn or how to start, how to get active. And then when they do, they have a frustrating experience and that turns them off and they go back to doing. What they shouldn't be doing, which is not much <laughs> and, and or just a little. I mean, they could be doing so much more for our community. And so our challenges are not only at the young end of the scale in terms of changing the way people think about volunteerism, but also at the late stages of life, mm-hmm. where in, in some instances it's probably the most important and most powerful place that we can do our work because of the experiences these older Americans have. And the ability for them to be able to transform nonprofits who are deeply involved in our delivering on our community needs hmm. that's very very
1: insightful, very insightful. The ability that young families have I mean I love the you know the correlation you drew with Craigs at that time, his children's ages. mine would have been probably. I mean, we had one child at that time, I believe. He was probably two. And just recently, we took our children with us to a giving circle Mm -hmm. where they got to hear three pitches. We actually let our three children go up and vote for which nonprofit they wanted to receive at that. So it was an hour long, one nonprofit got a $6,000 check in an initiative called Give Where You Live, which is a speed philanthropy grant led by the Horizon Community Funds of Northern Kentucky. And we also are really supporting the giving circles that are happening, like this entrepreneurial speed giving experience. I know we're also hosting one with the Greater Cincinnati Foundation that Laura Mangi leads and looking for ways to serve in that capacity while identifying how can our children get involved in things directly, right? So us as adults be able to do the same to try to create giving hands, not just giving hearts and wallets. And then when you give of hands is what I've always said and And working in the community, when you get people's hands, you get people's hearts. When you get people's hearts, you get their financial support. And if we could just, to your point, pull people and get more hands, we've kind of reversed this strategy. And we really need to get people's hands and then their hearts. And then that can ultimately lead to growth in these initiatives. Well said. Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your leadership and all you and your team at Cincinnati Cares are doing and for your impact on me. I've watched you. There's many people that I get the distinct pleasure to interview. You know, we look for people that are doing things well, that are living well, that are being vulnerable and transparent and are being great examples in this world that we live in. And you certainly are one of those. And I want to thank you for the relationship and your leadership in our great community. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate
2: that.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. By now, you've probably heard of servant leadership, but did you know it's been proven to improve company culture, customer service, and reduce turnover on teams? Find out if your actions pass the Servant Leadership Test at talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com slash SL. That's talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com slash SL.
1: The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine, and myself, your host, Mike Zippel, Jr.